Pizza. Yum. Mm. For breakfast. Yeah, let's get for breakfast. My question was correct. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's like a pre-breakfast because ooh, after this, Grace and I are planning on going out to um a brunch place that we've wanted to go to since we moved down here. It's a super nice place, but it's a place that you don't dare go when school is in session because it's uh, all the students make it like at minimum you will wait an hour for a table at geez. minimum yeah and is it like which kind of goes into like what we were talking about um recently about how long we wait for tables yeah yeah and um is it like a mimosa soaked drunk woo girl shit show <laughs> uh, normally i think so um <laughs> If you want to look it up, it's called First Watch or The oh, First Watch. What? We have First Watches. It's a chain, right? Is it? I have no idea. Yeah, well, we have we have several restaurants around here called First Watch. Uh, and so I guess it's, um, yeah, there's three. There's three in the South Hills. I know there's, there's a few up uh, in the North Hills, too. So, yeah, but I've been there and it's awesome. They have candied bacon. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea it was a chain. All right. Yeah. Um, well, or maybe maybe that's just like a popular name. Yeah. Because I'm looking it and it looks like it. they're all uh, located in the like Ohio and Pennsylvania. So yeah, maybe it's just a popular mm. name for. Oh yeah. Okay. It is. It is a chain. It just when I when I zoomed out, it was only searching like in my geocached region. Um. But yeah, it's uh. There's right now. There's. It, it is that- yeah, it's the same. Yeah, College Station okay. on uh, South Texas Avenue. Right now, yeah, uh, there's only a five minute wait. Oh man, I know. We, okay, we gotta we gotta hurry this <laughs> up. Hurry so, up. if you <laughs> the longest you're gonna wait is at Fairfield Town Center in Cyprus, and that's ten minutes. Mm. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I had no idea what it was. It was a chain. Um, speaking of brunch chains, uh, yeah. if you're ever like down in this area, uh, or I mean, they might have one in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I don't know how big the chain is. Yeah. Uh, look up Snooze in AM Eatery. No, I've never heard of it. Okay, they they may have them in Pittsburgh. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, but it's it's incredible. What they have is like you said, they have candy bacon at Ooh. First Watch. Um, Snooze does bacon, but better is what it's called. Uh huh. Um, and it's uh like seasoned. It's like teriyaki bacon. It's it's crispy. It's caramely. It's so, oh, so good. That sounds exactly like the first watch. I literally don't know how to, else to describe it, you know? Yeah. I'm sure there's like a better term, but I'm I'm not a chef. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like like caramelized and sweet and savory and crispy and all the, all of the above. It looks like if I want to go, uh, I'm going to Charlotte. That's the closest one. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah it looks a, like it's straight, straight below the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> for all of these yeah but uh now i've got some on my list if i'm ever back down there you never know um so yeah while you enjoy the new meal you've invented between dinner and breakfast or dinner and brunch i guess because <laughs> if you if you're going to brunch later then we have to categorize that pizza as breakfast if you're considering a pre-breakfast then we've invented something between dinner and breakfast or you mm-hmm. have but i i pointed it out so i get credit too. <laughs> well, i i feel like I feel like if you're going between dinner and breakfast, because my dinner was technically at 11 p.m. last night, because mm-hmm. I was driving back from a wrestling show. Yeah. Um, 
my my meals have been so out of whack. My I had a driving down to the show snack at Bucky's at four thirty p.m. <laughs> I had a post show dinner at eleven p.m. I'm I'm now having my <laughs> pre uh, in in between waking up and breakfast <laughs> snack yeah. of a slice of pizza. And then I say brunch, but I'm going to get breakfast food when we go to First yeah. Watch. So I don't know if I can call that brunch or if I have to call that breakfast. So that's 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 the landscape of my meals over the last uh, 18 hours. Basically, you eat like a hobbit just every couple yeah, of hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 11's yeah. Ease, second just, just second breakfast. <laughs> just a little bit every every couple hours. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Uh, all right, should we get going then? So you can you can head on to your next meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might as well. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching curb your enthusiasm for the first time. Uh, and you know what? Oh. I-, I should probably uh, start recording on my end because oh. I haven't done that yet. Whoops! Oops! I got all that gold. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Uh, I guess I oh I'm I'm Tim Murphy yeah I'm Tim Murphy <laughs> and I'm Tread Hollowell and today we will be talking about the season two premiere season two episode one the car salesman but before that what's the deal with stuff from our last episode the first season finale the group first we got to talk about the vagina monologues uh, and then we'll talk about the actor who played Uncle Nathan we wanted to kind of discover because I was pretty I was relatively. You know, it, it was I wasn't in the target demo for the vagina monologues, except being, you know, probably pretty interested in vaginas. But this was more of an, an academic and artsy take on the <laughs> subject. So no actual visuals were included as far as I, I know in any of these performances. So as a 17 or 18 year old, it, it wasn't really in my in my purview. But it is an episodic play written in 1996 by Eve Ensler. Developed and premiered at the Here Arts Center off-off-Broadway in New York, followed by an off-Broadway run in 1999. The play explores consensual and non-consensual sexual experiences, body image, genital mutilation, direct and indirect encounters with reproduction, vaginal care, periods, prostitution, and several other topics through the eyes of women with various ages, races, sexualities, and other differences. It evolved from casual conversations with her friends which evolved into interviews she conducted with 200 women about their views on sex, relationships, and violence against women. She wrote the piece initially to celebrate the vagina. And then in 98, she said it changed from that to, uh, you know, a celebration of, of the vagina and femininity to a movement to stop violence against women. And so now the Vagina Monologues is performed annually to bring attention to the nonprofit organization V-Day, in thousands of cities and at colleges worldwide, usually uh, in February, but sometime, you know, mostly between like February, March, April. And the performances uh, generally benefit rape crisis centers and similar resource centers for women. Uh, It got, uh, just uh, to give you an example of how big culturally it was at the time, like, you know, I compared it to Fifty Shades of Grey. I still feel like that's an apt, you know, even though they're, they're two different, very different pieces of media. Kind of the different... level of um, uh, fervor yeah. over it was was comparable, especially for something dirty, you know. Uh, yeah, quote unquote dirty, you know, because um, I think the the whole purpose of this was to, you know, to 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 give power to the vagina, as it were. Um, but it was so big that there was an HBO. They recorded it for an HBO special in 1998. And oh, wow! All in, right, in 2001. On uh, for V Day, they sold out New York's Madison Square Garden with more than seventy actors performing, 
and raised $1 million for groups uh, working to end violence against women. Wow. Okay, wait, hang on. Yeah. That actually seems very low if you're selling out Madison Square Garden and you have to pay 70 actors. Maybe because it was a um, charity thing. They did it for free, you know? Because it was all good. It was a V-Day thing, and so it was going to a nonprofit, and so everybody worked for free. And sometimes you do those, you know, like uh, Night of Too Many Stars, for instance. You know, you get one person on board, and then everyone's like, oh, oh, he's doing it? Well, I'm going to do it because that's uh, he's a big star, and if I'm doing it, we're on the same level. You know, I think you get a lot of uh, you can work people's ego that way and like, well, yeah, I mean, it is it is free. But when are you going to get to be on the stage of Madison Square Garden for a sold out audience? Like, oh, that's, that's a true. good point. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do I, that. I, I guess. But like if it's if it's a charity thing, a million dollars dividing that by like, say, Madison Square Garden has 15,000 seats. That's yeah. sixty six dollars a person. I mean, that sounds like about it, what it, I would expect to pay for a ticket for a charity, th- it, you know? It, it, it sounds like average for you and me, yes, yeah. but, like, are there no elites there going? No or are there, is yeah, it, there's true. no big donors? There's yeah. no, like, first-class VIP tickets? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, for $1,000, meet all of these celebrities. Yeah. Ted declares uh, oh, Vagina no. Monologue's no. performance for charity a failure. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> That's the takeaway. <laughs> No, you're right. It does sound low, even for 2001 money. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how they settled on that. It was it was. A, I mean, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Sure. It's going to a good cause. Every little, yeah, every little bit helps. <laughs> uh, now, here's uh, the interesting part. It did run at LA's Cannon Theater, not the potentially fake Lions Theater that we see in the episode, but it did run in LA from October of 2000 to May of 2001. And here's a little blurb I found when when it was starting the run there, uh, which the show coincides with, uh, has uh, the Vagina Monologues, which has been playing a hit engagement at New York City's West Side Theater since last fall, begins an open run at Los Angeles's Cannon Theater, October 13th. As in New York, the L.A. Mounting will feature a new trio of actresses every three weeks. The inaugural threesome features Rosie Perez, Julie Kavner, who is, uh, isn't she the voice of Marge Simpson? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Swoozy Kurtz, all of whom have appeared in the off-Broadway version. Uh, also for the L.A. run, I think the next three were Carol Kane, who was on an episode of Seinfeld, and and, mm-hmm. uh, and also in Transylvania 65,000. Felicia Rashad, who was on The Cosby Show. And Kimberly Williams, who I think was... Yeah, she's married to Brad Paisley, and she was in Father of the Bride. And according to Jim... Um, I thought she was in a Sandler movie, but maybe not. And then the final cast included Downtown Julie Brown, Tia Carrere from Wayne's World, and <laughs> get this, Rose Abdu, a.k.a. the interior decorator from the episode Interior Decorator. No yeah. way. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of which, near as I can tell, Cheryl Hines has never actually been in the Vagina Monologues, although I think she would have done great, uh, but I don't know why she never was in it. As far as any of the actors list that i could find in all the runs um, is there yeah. a recorded version of the vagina monologues available to stream that's a great question because they, they did do an hbo special in 98 so but i didn't look that up i'll look up streaming vaginas right now and oh no oh, ted no, oh, no. oh no tim no uh <laughs> <laughs> oh i did just okay well it does so this link to hbo max says Watch the vagina monologues on HBO. Yeah, I, I think okay. you can. 
I, I'm I'm seeing one for Hulu as well. Wow. Well, maybe that's like, like it through might be... the HBO. Oh, sub. it is. Yep. Yeah. Add HBO Max to any Hulu plan for an additional fifteen dollars a month. I will not be doing that. Yeah. So yeah, it looks like it is available on HBO Max. Okay. So that's uh, that's all the info that I had about the vagina monologues. What about the actor who played Nathan? Where did I recognize him from? He seemed very recognizable. His name is Alan Arbus, and this was his final acting role. This Curb Your Enthusiasm Whoa. episode was the last thing he ever did. <laughs> He's most well-known for his role as psychiatrist Dr. Sidney Friedman on the series MASH, which my dad loved. So I'm oh, guessing man. that's where I knew that's him gotta from. Be, yeah. That's got to be how you know him, right? Yeah, okay. because I looked through all of his other stuff, and I was like, none of this is looking <laughs> familiar. I mean, like, you know, he has been in, like, a ton of, like, cult movies, like Pam Gre- like with Pam Greer um, and stuff like that, uh, like a Robert Downey Sr. movie from a million years ago, you know. <laughs> but he's known more for TV. He has, like, 45 TV credits. Uh, an episode of Mad About You, but I'm I'm certain it's from MASH, like his voice and everything. He's not the same actor in the Mystery Science Theater movie Riding with Death, which I thought for sure it, I was going to find it was true, but it, it wasn't him, I guess. Uh, so I'm guessing it's just MASH. And he died of congestive heart failure in 2013 in L.A. at the age of 95. Oh, man. And if you do look at his filmography, you will see that he was in a movie in 2016. He played George Dankworth in a movie called Chief Zabu that began production in 1986, but was not finished and released until 2016. Jesus yeah. Christ. It, it sounds like I didn't want to. I, I started digging into this movie and I was like, no, th- this is not what it's about. It's just about Alan Arbus. But it does sound like a crazy, you know, it, it, it's infamous for having an ad run in Variety. For two years, I think from 1986 to 1988, it ran. They ran an ad like this movie's coming out. It's definitely coming out. And then I think oh they finally God. gave up. And 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 then somehow somebody finished it in 2016. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, it sounds like a crazy, crazy product. It's about two uh, like real estate brokers or something who go to this island that recently had a coup or something, and they try to take it over or buy it and rule it somehow. I don't know. So that sounds like a crazy story for another podcast. Somebody else do the Chief Zabu podcast. We'll do the Chief <laughs> Zabu Minute, and we'll watch it a minute at a time. <laughs> um, so here's some other trivia and tidbits from the show. I can't believe neither of us caught this. Melanie Smith, who played Lucy, appeared on three episodes of Seinfeld in the fifth season as Rachel Goldstein, Jerry's girlfriend who saw George after he was in the pool. I can't believe neither of us recognized her, especially yeah. because she's one yeah, of the longest-lasting really. Jerry girlfriends. She lasted three My whole God. episodes. I know. That's got to be a record. And Cynthia Zagetti, who played the incest group leader, appeared on Seinfeld in season three as Sherry Becker, the high school ex-girlfriend of Jerry, who he reconnects with since she remembers reading an overdue library book with him in 1971, which he still has yet to return in 1991. She clarifies to him that it was an entirely different book that they read together. He misremembers her dress color and, and basically everything about it, uh, the situation. So, you know, he's like, but you wore that purple dress and we read Tropic of Cancer. She's like, no, I was wearing a yellow dress and we read Tropic of Capricorn or something like that. <laughs> so that was her. And I, so I don't fault us for not remembering that small part, but the fact that we didn't remember somebody who I see in at least three memes a day, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't believe we didn't recognize her. So uh, that's all the homework that we had. Please rise as we consult the book, and we'll turn to page 
37 of the book. And in this episode, well, I see the first bullet point is the actress who plays Larry's ex-girlfriend also appeared on three episodes of Seinfeld. So there we go. The Hamptons, The Opposite, and The Raincoats. Uh, At lunch, Larry tells Lucy he didn't go to the prom, which was true in David's real life as well. I wasn't aware of the prom. I had no idea that it was even going on or not that I would have gone. It's not the kind of thing that would ever occur to me. You would think I would have heard about it in school, but I didn't. Um, which I think is a quote from the episode as well, but I guess it just is ripped from his real life as well. Did you go to prom? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I went to my senior prom. Yeah. That's the only one I went to, though. Yeah, I, I went to ring dance, which is what they call junior prom in my <laughs> uh, locale, uh, because that's when okay. you, got, you got your um, ring, your class ring there. And, oh, yeah. okay. And then, so that was like our equivalent of, of junior prom, but then I, I did go to senior prom as well, uh, even though... Yeah, it was, it was one of the, like, I never went to any other dances, but you just feel like it's that something you have to do. Same. You know? Yeah, yeah I, I never went to any other dance. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I take that back. Like, I, I didn't go to, like, the the unofficial Friday night, let's have a dance, let's have a sock hop dances, you know? Like, I did, you know, I did go you to, You went like, to, like, semis, though? I went to some homecomings, went to, like... yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't go to that shit, yeah. either. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, um, it, it, it wasn't my thing, certainly, but, you know, um... The scene where Larry and Cheryl run into Larry's ex-girlfriend was shot in the lobby of the Curb Production Offices in Santa Monica. So there we are. There's, I guess those are technically Jeff's oh, offices, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were they thinking from the what they were thinking section? Uh, Lorraine Newman, who, by the way, is a very famous actress. I don't even think we pointed out that this was Lorraine Newman in the last episode. She's like a famous actress and comedian. She says, people have tried to bring improv to TV time and again, and it's never worked until this show. Curb is the logical next step from a Herald, which is an improv game created by Viola Spolin at Second City. Larry just evolved the form, and I was really happy to be a part of it. It's funny, they misspell Herald here, H-E-R-A-L-D, like a heralding angel or something like that. But Mm -hmm. I do know enough about improv to know that the Herald is actually named it's like a capital H-A-R-O-L-D. And I think it comes from, <laughs> like, they just had this exercise and, and, and they were teaching it and they wanted to know what it was called. And so they, they were like, what's this, what's this exercise named? What's the idea behind this style of improv? And, and whoever came up with it was like, oh, it's, it, it's called Harold. It's named Harold, like the name Harold. Just, uh, just like the old man named yeah, Harold. Yeah, the old man named Harold. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the old Beatles joke, like, what do you call that haircut? And like Harold or something like that, you know, it. it it is derived from that uh, sense of humor. So it's it's interesting in the book. I found a typo. Who do I write to? Who do I write to <laughs> to get my $7.99 from Barnes & Noble back? Melanie Smith, who of course played Lucy, said, Everybody just gets along so beautifully. Larry draws people to him who would have a particular bent on life. And if somebody filmed the stuff on the set and out of the scene, it would be a show in itself. So it sounds like a very fun off-screen environment as well. Behind-the-scenes environment. So this uh, now that we're done with season one, there's something called the improv process, and it says curb uh, the, like a whole couple pages here, and it says curb your enthusiasm and it's an entirely improvised show. Every season, David writes ten outlines for ten shows that cover the season's arc. The following scene, in which Larry meets with his lawyer, grew out of three the three sentence outline below. So here's the outline: four B, interior lawyer's office from interior decorator. After some chit-chat about the script, Larry mentions to his lawyer that he was surprised she'd build him to read it. She feels it's part of the job. The meeting does not end well. And out of that, they got <laughs> like a page and a half of improv between Nia Vardolos and, and Larry David. So that's, always, that's pretty interesting to see the actual 
like scene outline. It was like, all right, for here's scene four B from episode five, and that he writes it out like like scene by scene, and just little three, just three little lines, and that's what we get the show out of. So there we go. That's all from the book. You may be seated. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So do we have any other uh, news or anything? I don't think so. Okay. I know we. Uh, we we're going to talk about our top episodes of season 1. Do you want to save that for uh the end of this or do you want to get into that now? Uh we might as well I've... do it now, although I, okay. I totally forgot to enumerate them, but I'm I'm certain it'll be Hang on, give me one second to like uh Go ahead. I'm doing okay. the exact okay. same thing. <laughs> okay, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, I I think I've got my I think I've got my top 3 yeah, here. Yeah, I think I only had 4 and it was easy to cut out the last one because i had written the great note low underneath the star and i remember like <laughs> you know all right if, if this makes it this will be low and so boom you're off the list and the other two made it congrats yeah all right so tim do you want to go first with your top three episodes of season one with a bronze a silver and a gold medal episode sure my number three is affirmative action it's some great okay. cringe humor from Larry David, and it comes in a great full circle with uh, him getting his comeuppance uh, from who was it? Denise, I think is her name. Uh, yeah, you know, it, yeah. It just yeah. got such a great surprise, uh, you know, frolic ending that uh, that's number three. Number two, <laughs> Beloved Aunt. Uh, Ooh, yeah, okay. Just uh, another funny uh, episode and great. You know, I I loved um, between him and Jeff the whole like the whole thing that with his mom and. Uh, you know, uh, that that was very funny. And number one is Porno Gill, without a doubt. Probably carried on the back <laughs> of the great uh, Bob Odenkirk. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the, the house that come built. Yeah, the house that come built. And the, <laughs> his collection of tiny bottles, which are smaller than regular oh bottles. <laughs> okay, so I, I got to know, because uh, I, I totally forget. What was the episode for you that was low? That, was, that would have been number four. My honorable mention goes to Amco. God damn it, Tim. Okay, so <laughs> in in no particular order yet. Yeah. I have those exact same four episodes. <laughs> of course. Of so course. I I gave my honorable mention to Beloved Ant. Okay. But uh number three I did affirmative action. Uh, so we were we were uh, both on that. Uh, number two, I did Amco. So we, yeah. we switched Amco and uh, Beloved Ant. And number one, I also said Porno Gill yeah. with uh, with Bob Odenkirk. Of course, you can't deny <laughs> Porno Gill is the best episode. It was, <laughs> and I think if I uh, if I would have been watching season one out of order, maybe Porno Gill wouldn't have hit me as hard as it did. <laughs> but it, it was it was episode three in the season, and I did not like episode one or two so it was the first episode of curb that i genuinely loved watching yeah so yeah even though this show started with you know a mission an obvious mission statement and and what they like it still took a little bit to hit the ground running just like seinfeld did you know the first really great episode of seinfeld didn't come until season two i think we found so yeah yeah. i mean there there are some good ones in season one but like eh, yeah yeah Yep. 
So, all right, not a surprise. We'll see if we, you know, uh, deviate, if our choices get a little more disparate as we continue through the series. It'll be interesting. Okay, so if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, uh, despite the last 20 or so. Oh, wait, I'm looking at the time of oh, yeah. my recording. Despite the last 26 minutes <laughs> of uh, just uh, bullshit. Uh, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the show as though we are assigning them to ourselves the week following uh, with homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 so twenty or so years. Uh, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you can do so on whatever podcast app. I know Apple Podcasts supports it. I know Spotify supports it. I'm sure there's a few others, but if you do that, please send us a screen cap of your review to either at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Because I know sometimes we won't see them. Apple does not mm. notify us if people leave a new review, which is a, a Big old flaw mm -hmm. in the system, I feel. Uh, if you would like to support us monetarily, give us a, a few bucks a month. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it over at No Hugging. Uh, what's the fucking Patreon? Uh, Patreon.com <laughs> slash No Hugging is what it is. Uh, for just a few dollars a month, you get two movie reviews every single month. You get clipped content from just about every single episode. And you also get every episode that we release one week early. So if you're finishing up this episode and you want to listen to next week's, it's already posted over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash no hugging. And talking about those movie reviews, Tim, I don't know how much we dove into this talking last week, but uh, if you're listening to this on Patreon, we just released this last week. If you're listening to this on the free feed, we released it about two weeks ago. We just released Problem Child. <laughs> yeah. It's, and again, the, these Patreon apps are great. And this one is different like more different than any other ones we've been like getting away from doing like kind of scene by scene synopses like we do with the episodes and the, there, there was just absolutely no way we could do yeah. scene by scene for problem child it, it was just so so bad yeah mostly because <laughs> yeah there's no plot so it would be just it would be just confusing um and, and, and so it's it, the most it would be like doing it would be like doing scene by scene of a jackass movie yes exactly that's a great great analogy it's the most review-like movie review, and it's also the shortest. If you were like, oh, these things are too long, it's also the shortest one we've ever done. It's actually not the length of the movie for once. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. And if you are as old as I am and you remember this movie being great and you remember people going to see it, it was Universal's highest-grossing motion picture of the year it came out, 1990. Uh, if you remember the cultural uh, excitement over the Problem Child and how great it was, I... You just just listen to the Patreon. <laughs> just listen. Oh, <laughs> and then you're probably going to want to watch it. Yeah, just listen and know that we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't recommend going back to watch it, but listen to us <laughs> and then go, no, I got... Now I have to watch it, because I remember people... I remember <laughs> loving this movie when I was 10, and now I want to go back in time and, like, strangle 10-year-old me for thinking any of, <laughs> of it was funny. <laughs> Nine-year-old me or whatever. When I probably saw it when I was 10, because it was probably on VHS at that point. <laughs> oh my but I God. talked to somebody, by the way, who was about my age and was like, 
What? No, uh, I remember Problem. I saw it on VHS, and I thought that movie was that movie was huge. It was people <laughs> liked it. And I was like, yes, you're right. I was talking about some. I was talking about it this weekend with somebody. It came up. No uh, way. Yeah. And Did you tell him to listen to our Patreon episode? I, well, Sarah brought up that I watch awful movies all the time, and then I had to explain that I have a podcast <laughs> and, and do it, and 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 then I talked about Problem Child, and someone else was in the same situation. It was like, well, I thought that movie was funny. I saw it when I was a kid. I was like, oh man. Oh man! <laughs> Have you watched it in the last yeah. thirty years? <laughs> yeah, so it's not just me. Like people, people remember this movie being great. See, that's why I wish we could do like uh, free trials to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, like e- even if it was just like, yeah, here's a free here's trial one, to listen yeah. to one thing. You know, I mean, really, we do. I mean, there are a couple on the free feed. If you're listening to this and you want a taste, there are some on the free feed. You can go back and and listen. Uh, that's what I Problem would Problem Child might taste. be, it, it might have to be something we push out to the free feed eventually, because it was just, oh boy, say, it was it was a new low for us. Make people pay for it. I, I, said, I said eventually for yeah. a reason. May, we'll do it in like October or something. <laughs> October of 2024. <laughs> that's God what damn, I say. <laughs> oh my God. We won't even be doing Curb anymore <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Well, then we'll need something uh, to push out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so if you are looking at TV Guide the night of... Or no, wait, fuck. I'm already skipping ahead. <laughs> so season two, episode one, The Car Salesman. Original air date, September 23rd, 2001. Eight days post 9-11. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> if you're looking at TV Guide that night, I think it's eight days, right? 9-11? No, um... Uh, 12 days. 12 days, yeah, wow. Uh, if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see in the season two premiere, Larry shocks everyone by taking a job as a car salesman. Not bad. I mean, there's some stuff that, there's some other there's, plot lines some, you put in there. Yeah, there, there's some other things that happen too. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if we can make it better. I don't know how we're going to shove those things in, uh, but we'll, we'll see, maybe at the end. Uh, so we open yeah. at the Ritz-Carlton. Which you might be surprised I didn't do a dive on whether it's still there uh, or not. I know because I didn't know where they were. I was like, oh, they're staying in a hotel. They must be. I was like, maybe they're in Florida. I saw like a marina outside the window. And and so by the time we got to that, they're still in L.A. I was like, eh, too late. I'm already I'm already done with this scene. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're at the Ritz Carlton in L.A. Uh, we and Larry is eating chips in bed. And watching Maury when Cheryl comes back upset that he's not ready to go meet this woman to look at a new house. By the way, I did try to find the episode that Larry was watching too, the episode of Maury, which is called I'm Afraid My 13-Year-Old Daughter Will Kill Me. And we get three names. We get Brittany, Jennifer, and Amber. And yet nobody, you know, there needs to be a Maury podcast out there that has a, you know, that that can start a database (laughs) so I can look this up because uh, there was, I couldn't find any. There was like there was something in season like there was a good list of season one episodes, and then it took a break for two, season two and three and season four. I'm like, what is that? Are this is like the lost seasons of Maury. Like no one took record <laughs> of those. Um, so I don't know when this aired or what it was about. You know, you mean you can kind of tell what it's about. And Cheryl's wondering if he's ever going to work again or if he's just going to sit around eating in bed watching day- trashy daytime TV. Uh. <laughs> But, like, it's weird because he doesn't have to work. He makes, like, probably a million dollars a day just on Seinfeld residuals. Uh, but, you know, I guess Cheryl's getting sick of him hanging around the house. And yeah. then as they're getting up to go, he 
starts impersonating a Maury guest, which I thought was hilarious. I loved that yeah. bit. It, it was it was funny, but can I say <laughs> how much of a technical disaster this scene was? How so? Larry's clipping the mic when he's yelling. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, like the Maury audio is too loud. It's all overmodulated. Like, yeah. I don't know how they didn't do another take of this. I noticed like, that. Like, it, it was funny, but it it was technically very bad. Yeah, yeah. It should not have. Yeah. But I understand, like, at an like, improv who, show. Who is your fucking, who is your fucking audio director on this episode? <laughs> but trying to recapture the magic when you're doing an improv show, uh, maybe they were just like, no, we got it. I can't, I can't do it again. <laughs> Because, yeah, it was funny. He, you know, he's doing the whole, you don't know me, fuck you. Like that whole thing. He's very, he's got it down. It's hilarious. He loves when the girls come out and start yelling at the audience. <laughs> and I got to say, like, as, you know, I remember being in college in 2000, 2001. My show was um, Jenny Jones. I preferred her boot camp over Maury's boot mm, camp. Okay. But I remember, like, skipping class to watch, like, my kid is a nightmare boot camp classes um jenny jones had this marine sergeant i think i've talked about it before named raymond moses i think he came up on seinfeld for some reason but yeah who would would whip the kids into shape and uh so i i love that was my trashy daytime tv that i that i loved watching in college but uh yeah maury this was before maury discovered the paternity test you know he used to actually have a rotating segment of like oh here's you know my 13 year old daughter is trying to kill me or whatever so at the potential new house, they're moving, by the way, because of the wire. That's why they're moving. Yeah, they can't yeah, bury the wire. That is the one reason. <laughs> uh, so why are they staying in a hotel? Did they sell their house first and now they're living I in guess, a hotel? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, they've, been, they've been in the hotel for a week. So oh it just happened very recently. Gosh, it must have been a buyer's market in 01. I guess uh, maybe the subprime loans were still firing on all cylinders <laughs> or something. Um, or maybe just beginning to fire. Yeah, because and, and then they moved into the Ritz Carlton, which I like that Larry likes that better than a house. He's like, why do we have to move out of the hotel? I like the room service. I like the wake up calls. She's like, you don't use those He's like for naps. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was really naps. good. <laughs> um, so the, the house they're looking at, it really is beautiful. I mean, there's an ocean view and it, you know, the, the furniture fits the house so well that they're looking at. The, I was yeah. so confused at that because, like, yeah. who's selling a house and leaving all their furniture? Yeah, there. Later on, is it the house's furniture that's still there? I, I'm I'm not sure if it is or not. Yeah, I I, it doesn't look like it's the same. But yeah, uh, we hear that. Oh yeah, they're already moved out and everything. Yes. Later on, I'm like, are they? Yeah, it doesn't look like they are. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I thought that was weird too. But the whole, but the change in the furniture thing may be one of the reasons why, at the end, Larry says what he does, and and Cheryl too, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they find out that uh, Jay Schneider is it Schneider? That's uh, Schneider. Schneider. Okay, I just missed an N. Uh, Jay Schneider owns it. He's a William Morris agent who would pitch clients to Seinfeld all the time when Larry was there, and he just signed Jason Alexander, and he's struggling to get some acting work because. Everyone thinks he's like George, and they don't want George, but you know he's nothing like George at all. And this was a great runner through the episode where they're like, you know, Jason's brilliant, and George is an idiot. You know, he's he's a he's a schmuck. He's, he's an he's an imbecile. <laughs> he's an imbecile, and Jason is just not that. And Larry, you know, George is based on Larry, and so Larry is immediately offended by that line. Then he also remarks on Jay's sweater and how nice it is, and, and Jay says it's one hundred percent cashmere. And outside, Cheryl loves the house and wants to offer on it immediately. 
And Larry doesn't like it because he says there's no way that sweater is 100% cashmere. And he, <laughs> if he's lying about the sweater, what else could he be lying about, you know? Mm. At lunch with Jeff, Jer- uh, Jeff thinks it's a good idea for Larry to work with Jason Alexander. But this was a funny thing to say in 2001. I'm, I'm done with TV. And Jeff, like, defending the artistic merit of television, <laughs> like... As The Sopranos is probably airing, you know, like as we're yeah. as we're re-entering peak TV, as they called it, you know, you know, it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do TV anymore. You know, TV is done. No one wants. Uh, OK, the, the first episode was 1999. So the, the Sopranos is airing, but I guess it has yet to actually change the TV landscape where people are going, <laughs> oh, no, like TV is the new movies. Movies is whatever. But TV is just as big now and, and just as artistic mm-hmm. and cinematic and all that stuff. So it's funny that that Larry's like, I'm done with TV. You, you know, what can it offer me? Richard Lewis wants Jeff to manage him. And he asks if he's actually high maintenance. And Larry, you know, says, what are you kidding? Of course he is. They run into Tom Clark at this lunch that they're having, who is a car dealer. He owns Toyota of Hollywood. And Larry just kind of, you know, casually says he always thought he'd be a good salesman because he can talk anyone in and, and into anything except women into sex. That's the only thing he couldn't do. But he Jesus can manipulate Christ. people very well. I like the way the car dealer guy played this because, you know, we've talked about this conversation many times where you meet somebody and they're like, oh, me and my friends could do a radio show. Yeah, we oh, my <laughs> life is a radio show. I could do that. Easy. That's such an easy job. You know, and then you go, well, no, I mean, there's more to it than that, but they never buy it. So I respect the car salesman guy for going, I mean, it's in my blood. Like, I, you know, I, I like the money, but the sa- the selling is there's a skill to it and an art to it. And and Larry just, like, diminishing all of that, going, nah, anybody can walk in off the street and do it with no training, you know. Um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that the guy was offended by it. Um, when the, But when the guy finds – so they're not into it until the guy finds out he is Larry David, quote, unquote, like capital Larry David – the co-creator yeah. of Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he agrees to let him try. I guess the fact that like he can't be a, a weirdo. I mean, he wouldn't take Jeff's word for it until he found out he's a celebrity, I guess. Um, but he agrees to let him try like, you know, maybe two or three days. Jeff is annoyed at Larry <laughs> working as a car salesman instead of working in television. I guess maybe because Jeff doesn't make any money from any commission that Larry might make as a car salesman. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I If I was Jeff, I would say I'm still taking my commission on whatever you make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get 10% of your cut of the car sale. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think it's just that, that he's annoyed that his talents are being wasted. You know, it's like you are one of the biggest comedy writers of all time and you haven't done anything. And now you're going to be selling cars. Like that's what you're going to do with your time. And by the way, everybody is so loud in this conversation. Jeff and Larry... And even Tom, to an extent, in this little <laughs> tiny restaurant. And yet the extras are still doing their thing where they're like, I'm having a conversation in the background. Oh, you wanted some of that too? Oh, yeah, I really like that. You know, I'm like, no, I, I think if this was realistic, people would be staring at this table because yeah. everybody is so yeah, damn loud. Fucking shouting yes. at the top of their lungs. Jeff Garland is always uh. loud, but in this, he's like, what are you doing? Like, oh, my, we're in a restaurant, <laughs> sir. Jeez. God. Um. And Larry says he will sell a car on the first day. He has no doubt about it. But Tom, uh, you know, is like, you know, you're you're probably not going to sell anything on the first day. Well, not only that, Larry guarantees that he will sell more cars than anybody else on the lot. (laughs) That's hilarious. I love I mean, this is such this is such rich guy stuff on like an approachable level. It's like, oh, you know, I I have so I have more money than I know what to do with. So 
I'm just going to do this thing that people do for a livelihood. And it's a, a goof. I'm going to do it as a goof, you know? I'm just going to do it as, as a silly goof. Yeah. Just a silly thing to do. I mean, to just a, a silly guy. To extrapolate it, it's like, I'm going to go to space as a goof. You know, I mean, like, that's what Rich, like, I'm going to buy this social network that's as a current goof. thing. Yeah, like, that's the current, but, like, on a much smaller level, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to be a car dealer for, like, a day. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. You know? guys, guys, wouldn't it, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if I was, if I was a car dealer for a day? Wouldn't that be a laugh? Wouldn't, 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 wouldn't that be a riot? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just so funny, out of touch, rich guy stuff to do. <laughs> Uh, I need something to do. I'll get this job. I'll walk into a job that people apply for and don't get. You know. Um, so back at the hotel, share. Tim, you know, that's yeah. this is what this is how you should start approaching like jobs. <laughs> I every time I drive by a business, I'm like, because you know, I mean, there, there's a joke about you like, know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna yeah. walk in and say I can do this. I think about it every time I pass a business, which yeah, is every three to five seconds when I'm driving around. I'm like. <laughs> Why don't I just why don't I just walk into Smith Brother Smith Brothers fabricating and go, what do you have for me to do? I'll do anything, you know? <laughs> and and hopefully there's like some boomer behind the desk that's like cuz you know, I mean that, that's such like a boomer meme of like kids don't work. I went into the office and I said I'll be a courier and they said you're hired. You know, I mean like haven't you heard that before? Like I I have it honestly initiative. sounded like you were doing a Mark Marin impression there. <laughs> Um, but I thought about that. I was like, boomers say to do this. I should just do it. Like walk you in. just do it. Yeah. Just walk in and say, I need a job. <laughs> what do you have for me to do? I can start today. You know, <laughs> I really have thought about it. And then all of a sudden I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm molding plastics or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? Yeah. You've got moxie. I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when he gets back to the hotel, they, they've accepted the offer. They're so motivated to, to, to get out they can move in on monday but larry breaks the news that he has a job and i love how excited cheryl is she he's like well you know i, I gotta work on monday and she's like oh you do and he's like yeah i'm a, i'm a car i'm gonna be selling cars and immediately yeah, she, she's annoyed she, she she first thought like oh did you talk to jason, you jason. Are you guys gonna do that thing <laughs> yeah oh you called jason no i'm uh and, and he, no, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be selling cars <laughs> he knows she's gonna be pissed because he's like laughing as he tells her I'm gonna be uh, selling cars. I, I I also loved Larry compares like th- this thing that he just like wants to do. He compares selling cars in a showroom to running a marathon and swimming the English Channel. Exactly like hobby like hobbies <laughs> like rich people hobbies maybe. Um, yeah, he's like some people's hobbies are running marathons or swimming in the English. I'm just gonna do that, this. He, I'm gonna sell cars. He's like they want to see if they can do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they want to see if they can swim the English Channel. I want to see That's a, if yeah. I can sell cars. That's the better way of reading it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I want to see if I can read a marathon. I want to see if I can or run a marathon. I want to see if I can sell cars. And when he, he starts going through like a salesman bit, which I also thought was funny, but the extra funny part I thought when he was like, uh, hey, and uh, check this one out, the the rave or the rav. Larry's never heard of a rav four. <laughs> The Toyota RAV4. <laughs> <laughs> I really think Larry David, the man, has never considered driving a RAV4. I really think the the Ray, he does it like he, I didn't even know there were three ways to pronounce that. And he finds the two that I had no idea, the Rave or the RAV. I guess maybe British people call it the RAV4. The RAV4. Is that your RAV4 also... parked behind me? I also didn't know that the Prius had been out that long. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. But I, yeah, yeah, it was like the first, at least mass-produced hybrid, I think. 
it came out in Japan in 97. Wow. Um, let's see. I, I don't know when it came out in the United States because this is 2001, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, July 2000. So they were like wow. the first adopters of a Prius in the United States. Very early. Jeez. Yeah, they got like one of the first ones off the lot. Jeez. Wow. All righty. So over at Jason Alexander's office, Jason and Larry are kind of sitting down to talk things out. And, and Jason is lamenting about the fact that he can't shake the George character, and again, <laughs> calling him an idiot and a schmuck. You know, people think I'm this idiot, like a schmuck. And Larry's like, well, I, uh, I don't see him that way. I just see him as funny. And Jason's like, well, yeah, oh I mean, God. of course it's funny, but, you know, he's he's an idiot. You know, he's... And he's and yeah, and Larry totally, he doesn't understand why anyone would call George an idiot. He, he just thinks like, oh, no, he, he's funny. There, there's no, there's nothing more than that. Yeah, he does normal things, and they just happen to be he in funny situations. He, <laughs> yeah. he does totally normal things, and Jason... Is like he eats an eclair out of the garbage, Larry. It's like Larry's. Oh, I, I did that. I'm like yeah. that doesn't make it normal. Yeah. He's like he snuck into a woman's apartment to steal the tape. <laughs> I did that. I snuck into an apartment to steal the answering machine tape. <laughs> so calling, there's yeah. there's another example he gives too. I, I don't remember what it was though. <laughs> yeah, it's all these things that Larry did that he, that he's called him a jerk <laughs> and an idiot for. Uh, and but then that sparks an idea in Larry's head, an idea for a series. What if you play an actor? who can't shake this very popular role, and it's about that's what it's about, and, and Jason loves it. Is, is this kind of the plot of the show Episodes? Are you familiar with that? Uh, no, I'm not. But I, I will tell you what I do think it is very familiar with. What's that? Is BoJack Horseman. Oh, yeah. I, I, it sounded familiar when I, when I heard that. I was like, that sounds like a plot of something that I've already... So, yeah, yeah, BoJack Horseman's kind of the same thing, right? Kind of. I mean, where Jason wants to act yeah. and Bojack just wants to, you know, drink himself to death, yeah. wake up uh, only to to get drunk and fall back asleep yeah. and li and live off his horse and around money. Yeah. Uh, where, where Jason Alexander wants to be a working actor. Yeah, he wants to spread his wings. Yeah. Um, the, the plot of episodes is Matt LeBlanc plays himself. So he plays okay. Friends actor Matt LeBlanc and they're... And these uh, people bring like a show from England to like make an American version of this popular British sitcom. And he plays like a caricature of himself. But I don't know enough about it to know if it's kind of the same thing where he's like, no, I'm not Joey from Friends. I'm this guy. I, I think it is kind of. But he's but he's also kind of a caricature of, of the Matt LeBlanc character, um, as I guess Jason would be in, in this that they write. But uh, it's it's a great idea. And Jason's like, great, let's let's get started on it. But Larry can't do it because he's selling cars. And I'm like, why do we have to get started today? You know, why can't we get started in a couple weeks? You know, yeah. why do we yeah. have to get started? It's like, th this isn't something that's going to go to pilot immediately. Like, th this is going to take like six more <laughs> meetings before we get a script, I, I would guess, you know. Um, but but so Larry can't get started on it right now. But maybe that, you know, maybe Jason was just eager to get started on it. But Larry can't because he's got a job selling cars. And it's funny because. When it when he every time he starts off telling somebody, it sounds like a job in the entertainment industry. He's like, "Well, no, I'm, I've, I've got, I'm doing something right now. I'm working on something right now." He he literally says it like that. I'm like, "Oh, what is it? I'm I'm selling cars." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Monday morning, Larry uses Larry utilizes the wake up call, the hotel wake up call, to uh, get ready and show up uh, bright and early at Toyota of Hollywood, which by the way is still at six thousand Hollywood Boulevard. If you want to go yes. there and buy a Prius today, by all means, uh, it's still there. 
And we get a montage of him trying to sell to customers. And every single time he tries the hack salesman trick. If you are going into sales, I sure hope they're not still teaching this. Of Like when someone gives you their name, you mention your connection to that name. It is, oh it is like from how to sell to customers, like some video in the 1940s probably. And <laughs> I've been in sales situations where I remember one time Sarah and I got suckered into a timeshare thing. And I was oh. like, I was like, check this out. Were they doing this? I told her, I was like, check this out. When this guy comes over, he's going to say he knows somebody with one of our names. And sure enough, he was like, oh, Tim, that's my brother's name or something like that. And, and she was like, how did you know? That? I was like, it's just a hack salesman trick. And I can tell this place is full of hack salesmen you know, who watch <laughs> the same VHS when they first start. All right, watch these 10 VHS tapes and then you're a salesman. It's like, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's just funny <laughs> that he does that. He thinks that's the way into everybody. Um, and there were a couple of bits here. I'd like to know what you liked out of this. One of my favorites was, what does GTS stand for? Oh, that's, uh, he's like, there's the GT and there's the GTS. He's like, that's guaranteed tremendous safety. And the guy's like, yeah. no, the GT is the just GT. guaranteed tremendous. <laughs> um, I, I loved uh one of the guys asking about like, oh yeah, these SUVs. Uh, I hear, see, I see reports of them like rolling over, and Larry's like, this thing rolling over? No, look at it, and just starts shoving the SUV, and starts rocking it back and forth, and the alarm just starts going. That off. was awesome. I loved when those two people come in. It's obviously like a boyfriend girlfriend, maybe or, or something. I couldn't tell the relationship, but but when the guy is trying <laughs> oh, to talk yeah. the girl out of buying the car, and Larry pulls him aside, and he's like, "Why are you fucking up my shit, man? Yeah, <laughs> what, 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 what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah he's like, she wants the car." Let her get the car. And he's like, but she won't be able to pay for the car once it's off the lot. But he mocks Larry. And he's like, she wants the car. She wants to pay for the car. And the guy's like, yeah, but she's not going to be able to pay for the car once she drives it off the lot. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> it was good. That. It was really good. <laughs> uh, and he walks everybody. He like he, everybody. He doesn't sell to anybody. He even I. this was a great tag on the whole scene. He tries the. Did you ever watch the Seinfeld show? <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord great like he's so that's when he's desperate he pulls out the seinfeld show line always love always that. always i love that series runner but even that doesn't work <laughs> don't you want to buy a car from this guy who co-created seinfeld that's the only reason you'd buy the car uh, and uh, um yeah. i i thought this guy looked familiar uh tim we've done movies with this guy before the first uh, guy atheon crockett oh who's that oh the uh, atheon uh, he uses his name yeah, yeah. Who was yeah. that? I didn't recognize him. He was most recently in. Well, not most recently for him. Most recently of what we talked about, he was in Pixels. Oh my gosh, he's the soldier. Where's my mama? Yes, he is. My yes, favorite part of Pixels. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Wow, I did not recognize that guy. <laughs> uh, well, he was just as funny as this as he was in Pixels. <laughs> just as funny in this uh had one of my favorite parts of this um so back at home i mean larry is exhausted after an actual maybe his first full day of work ever <laughs> you know <laughs> for a guy that yeah, for a guy that so. probably started in stand up early early like maybe some childhood jobs but this is probably his first nine to five in 50 years you know uh and he's exhausted he made no sales and now that him and cheryl are mostly moved in the house seems different and cheryl even agrees she's like yeah, maybe when we get the pictures up it'll be better but they're both kind of the the shine of, of everything has has gone <laughs> um by the way that reminds me of for i mean when i first saw the house and she's describing like eating breakfast and watching the sunrise over the ocean every day i'm like 
that does sound boss. That would be yeah. that. What an amazing like I would now I want a house like I didn't before. Like it's an option. I want a house with an ocean view. Uh, really fucking easy <laughs> to do in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but when I but Larry is talking about you know I love his all his non sequitur improv. Like, are you allowed to shoot the whales from from here? Can you shoot the whales? Because <laughs> I like blubber <laughs> with my breakfast. And the real estate agent goes, oh, don't pay attention to him. And Larry goes, no, pay attention. Like, No, pay a, attention to me. In a dead serious, <laughs> I loved, I've never heard anybody say that in response to, oh, don't pay attention to him. No, no, pay attention to me. You, yeah, no, <laughs> pay attention to me. I loved that. I, I can't believe I'd never heard that before. Um, I, and I loved it. Uh, so in bed, Cheryl and Larry are just kind of reading in bed. And Larry hears a noise. And Cheryl's like, it's just a house sound. You know, the house Settling. He's like, our old house didn't have house sounds. And he gets up and, and starts looking for it, but he can't find it. And it's it's driving him insane. Back at Toyota of Hollywood, Larry is finally making a sale. This guy is like ready to sign right as Richard Lewis comes in and ruins it. He First of all, he can't believe that Larry is selling cars. He wants to know if it's like a joke or a practical joke or something like that because he had to see it for himself. And also he's pissed that... He told Jeff he was high maintenance and he's worried Jeff might tell, you know, movie executives or something like that, even though it's an agent's job to not ruin a booking for your client. I don't, but I know it's like the plot of the show. We had to have Richard Lewis upset about something. Um, he does. <laughs> he does. When Larry's pissed about like, you just cost me a sale. Richard Lewis does drop a, who are you, Willie Loman? Which is the main character in Death of a Salesman, which is which is funny. And I they, that was really yeah. good. And we know the Seinfeld crew is fans of that particular play because of how often Jerry refers to George as Biff, Biff as in Biff Loman. Biff. Biff. <laughs> and and Richard Lewis is also wearing the same sweater as Jay, and he also says it's one hundred percent cashmere. But Larry just wants to check the tag. And now Richard is offended that he won't take his word over the sweater. They start wrestling. Tom comes over and fires Larry from his salesman job. I I love this back and forth between Larry and uh, uh, what was his name? Tom. Tom. Yeah. yeah, Between Larry and Tom. Larry's like, I I had him. He was ready to make a sale. Tom just goes, good. I'm proud of you. You're still fired. (laughs) Yeah. No, no nonsense. He's not letting this like rich celebrity wreck his sales uh, anymore or his showroom back at home Cheryl is there with a guy who is checking for the house sound and he he can't find it Larry's like well you know we don't really hear it during the day it's at night can you come back at night and the guy obviously really doesn't want to he throws out a line that <laughs> any parent would go oh my god no of course he's like yeah I mean I I guess I could get a sitter and Larry's like oh great <laughs> Cheryl's being the polite one like no, no, we don't. We don't need that. We don't. And Larry's like, no, no. He says he said it's fine. Like anybody, but Larry's not a parent, so he doesn't. He thinks the guy is like wanting to come back and work, but like that is code for <laughs> we can't make it. But if you're gonna be an ass about it, we will. You know, um, I guess I can find a sitter. In, you know, with like four hours notice, I guess I can try that. Great, come on back. Come on back tonight. Um, so in bed later. Larry is going to work with Jason and he's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do that thing. In fact, I'm going to call him now. And Cheryl's like, what? It's 1045. It's 45 minutes past the cutoff time. And Larry says you get an hour dispensation for good news. He was like, think about funerals and babies. We don't pay attention to the time. Then we call at any time. And uh, so Cheryl (laughs) and Larry are arguing as the guy from the next room yells for them to quiet down so he can try to find the house sound. 
And Frolic starts up, and that's the end of the episode. Oh, boy. All right, what do we got homework this week? You know, I didn't write anything down. I mean, we, we kind of did okay. some, some uh, concurrent homework with, like, the Prius and Avion and... Um, and Atheon. Atheon, sorry. I was talking about the water, I guess. Ah, Evion, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and something else that we did in the middle as well. So, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. A Willie Loman, maybe we could have, but we don't ah. need to. We know. So, yeah. All right. What do you like for cover art this week? It's got to be Larry at the dealership. Like Larry with one of the customers. <laughs> but but in what part? I know, I know. God, yeah. I, I'll I'll find something good. Yeah. Uh, I... I personally want to get like him like rocking that SUV back and forth, <laughs> yeah. um, but well, I'll I'll see what I'll see what works out. Maybe maybe him with Richard Lewis. Yeah, yeah, or or just I kind of like him, you know, with his hand out, like showing the car, like one hand in pocket, one hand out. I feel like there's a good shot of that, like literally him looking like a, a car salesman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. I mean, it has to be it has to be something like that. Okay, let's see what we can do about this week's right. description. So we had, in the season two premiere, Larry shocks everyone by taking a job as a car salesman. I, I, I mean, he does shock everyone. He shocks Jeff and Cheryl. Like, I don't hate it. I mean, the only thing I would add is like, you know, as, as the Davids move into a new house, Larry takes a job as a car salesman. I mean, but do we need that? Or, um, I don't think so. I mean, you could, I don't know. you could even... You could even say like, okay, here's here's a long run on one, and it may be even longer than what we have. But as oh, the God. Davids move into a house, Larry takes a job as a car salesman instead of working with an old friend or something like that. You know what I mean? What what, what about this? Instead of instead of working with an old friend, however we want to say that, instead of an entertainment job, Larry begin selling cars as the davids move into a new house how's that <laughs> I, I mean, long to is it bad you don't like it, it? it's you not, not that i like don't like it. it it it's long yeah it's long uh t- give it to me one more time i think it's <laughs> in, okay so if you can't even remember no, no it. i think it's instead of instead of a job or instead of an entertainment job or something like that uh, Larry begins selling cars as the Davids move into a new house. Instead of a job in entertainment, Larry begins selling cars as the Davids move into a new house. That's good. I like that. I like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's, it's it's better than your first draft. <laughs> I thought it was about the same, but um, okay. Because I, I, I kind of like it too. It brings everything together. And it's like... I, I don't we don't need those they put one in every week those descriptors like as he always does Larry does you know Larry shocks Larry everybody does this. Larry surprises yeah. everybody Larry disappoints everybody it's like yeah that's that's what he does let's not talk about the reaction let's just talk about the causes we'll watch the show to get the effects that's what a tease is you give us the cause we'll watch for the effects you know that sounds like why is he taking a job as a car salesman why not in entertainment is he blacklisted what's going on you know um yeah, so I think I think we did it. I think we did it. <laughs> okay, well, next week we have got Season 2, Episode 2, Thor. Original air dates, September 30th, 2001. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry seeks revenge against pro wrestler Thor Olsen, who he believes slashed his tire after an incident. Wow, a pro wrestling show. 
Yes. That's not a real wrestler, is it, Ted? No. Okay. I, he might be played by a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. I'm I not hope sure. so. That'd be awesome. I can't wait to get your dive on whoever uh, plays Thor in this. Yeah. Okay. I I vaguely I vaguely remember this episode, mainly just the tire slashing, but I, I don't remember what leads to it or anything. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm psyched. What do you think of this episode? I liked it. I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna star it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I will. I, I liked talking about it better than than watching it. I, I think it. Uh, I think we bolstered it up maybe even a little bit more than it it might deserve with some of you know highlighting some of the funnier parts. It was a good season opener. You know, it's like it sets a good baseline. If this is the baseline for the se- season, it's going to be great because this is yeah. This was a good just like get it us was, back into it. Funny stuff, a great circular plot. Yeah. It was very uh, middle of the road. Yeah. I thought definitely better than the uh, series opener, I, which is, I mean, the only other season opener we have to compare right, it to right. at this point. <laughs> yeah, very true. It was just a good season opener. Nothing too flashy or special. Just a, just set a, a good middle of the road, a good average baseline. So, yep, I agree. So, all right. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.